Hey, everybody. My name is Rob Shear, and I'm the founder of a national nonprofit called Comfort Cases. I'm also an advocate for children in our foster care system, a public speaker, an author of a book, A Forever Family. But most importantly, I am the father of four amazing children. Hi, I'm Dana McKay, and I saw Rob on The Ellen Show, and when I realized his organization was based right here where I live, I knew I had to get involved. I'm also a social media consultant, a radio host, a podcast producer, and a mother of two children. See, our country's foster care system is shattered, and this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, changing the system, and changing the lives of children in care. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Rob Shear, and I'm with my amazing co-host, Dana. Dana McKay and I here are having our podcast, um, Fostering Change. One of the whole reasons that we started this podcast is that we really want to educate our public, educate our public on what I consider our shattered foster care system. You know, so many times we read the stories of all of these kids who are falling by the wayside, but we're really not talking to people who can help us make change. And sometimes what I constantly hear, Dana, is I constantly hear the talk. Um, I hear the talk. This week I was at several conferences and um, all I did was hear the talk. And what I love about our show is that we are bringing people on who are not talking they're making change. They are taking their own selves and putting them in situations that are uplifting our foster youth. And to me, I, I couldn't ask to have a better group of people around me. And as an alumni and so many other kids who, who have aged out and have become adults, so many people don't want to turn back and look back and say, hey, I remember when. But our next guest, you know, Latasha Watts, um, from the moment I spoke to her on the phone uh, two years ago, I just knew that her and I were going to always be connected. Um, we are so like-minded, and it for her, the one thing I, I, I love about Latasha, and I don't think she, I think I've ever said this to her, is that I've met so many people throughout our country um, who deal with foster care, and so many people who have this me issue, um, where Latasha has uh, other issue, and it's called the you issue because it's not about her it's about all the kids that she's trying to help and trying to help through her amazing organization called the purple project latasha welcome to our our podcast thank you thank you for having me thanks for this wonderful opportunity i really appreciate it tell us how, a little bit about the purple project and how it started and why you started it oh wow so I'm, an, I'm a foster care alumni, and I spent 18 years in the foster care system and aged out of foster care at the age of 18 and was immediately plummeted into homelessness. You know, I had a lot of health issues, and I wasn't didn't understand them because and they weren't diagnosed before I left. So I, when I got out of foster care and the struggle that I had, at first I blamed, you know, the system and then I blamed, first I blamed my foster parents. You know, I said, hey, you know, they didn't do their job. Then as I started to do a little bit more research, I realized, hey, this is a, a bigger problem than just maybe my foster parent didn't do their job. You know, it's everybody has to take a piece of it, you know. So I said, okay, foster parent gets a piece, the system gets a piece, but this is so much more because I started realizing so many kids were coming out just like me and struggling, you know, and I thought it was so unfair. And so 
once I started to get my feet, get you know, get on my feet, I started to run into other foster siblings that whose stories were way worse than mine, <laughs> you know, in a sense of coming out of care. And I said, something has to be done about this as best as I can. Um, I knew I didn't have a, a, par- a powerful army behind me, but I said, listen, I got to be able to do this for, for us. So in 2009, I started the Purple Project as a resource database only online. A lot of people don't know that, but I started off with just a dream of having an online directory where kids can come or youth that have aged out can come, put their zip code in and put in a topic and everything in that zip code would pull up. So I started building this database and then I started it in Ohio and I said, well, I'm in Ohio, so why don't I just start in Ohio? Well, the first person that logged on because I had a community base to it was from Atlanta. And I said, oh, I need to create more content. <laughs> and so and so I created more content and it started off being online classes and I started to build curriculum and, you know, kids would log on online and learn about how to properly clean or, you know, it became an independent living piece to it, you know, and, and it just grew from there. And then eventually it grew into actually curriculum being taught in the classroom and programming. I started a program from there called the One Voice Program, where we assist with all kinds of needs from housing, you know, from housing, landlord connect to cell phones is, is where we were. And then eventually I started to, my story started to get out, which I hadn't told because I, you know, <laughs> didn't get a chance to really get into it. But my story started to come out about me being in foster care, spending 18 years in there and all the things that I had went through in life. And I started to speak. I started to get called to speak and to train all over the country. And as I was doing this, I was visiting different conferences across the country. And I just felt like, okay, I'm going to all these conferences, but it has an adult feel to them. So then I added to the Purple Project, not only the curriculum, but also added having a annual foster care youth conference for a place that had a youth feel to it. And, you know, and but also had the independent living skill set, the soft skills. It also had, we also have our um, guest speakers and trainers and you know, just a lot of self-care and a lot of self just a lot of love. And so we've added that element to it. And that's kind of how the Purple Project really got started. You know, we started off in 2009. By 2010, we had our first conference and, and had our first class and group of kids coming to our classes. So that's really how we started. It started off with me wanting to help others so they wouldn't continuously end up how I ended up when I came out of the system. So that's that's a short version of it. That's amazing. What a great story. So do you have any, um, any stories about kids who have come to the purple project and how it affects them, how it helps them and how it, how it changes them for the better? Yes. Yes, actually I do. You know, every year I I tell this story every year I quit. Every year I quit because it's so overwhelming <laughs> and I quit. I bet, yeah. <laughs> I quit. And so, I, I, you know, I go to my family members. I go to my husband. I say, I quit. And he goes, okay, honey, I, I know you quit. You quit every year. And I go, no, I'm done this time. So this was about around 2000 and I'm going to say around, it was about 2008. And um, I actually quit. 
and a lot of things that happened and, and I just was overwhelmed and I was like, you know what, this is the last one. I can't do this anymore. And we go to the office to pick up our mail and in the mailbox is a letter from a kid. And I open up the letter and it has a cover letter on it from it from the kids county saying that we you know we thought basically a couple of lines that we thought you needed to read this. So this kid wrote an end of the year essay for his school and it was about the purple project and how it saved his life, how it changed his life and how he was so happy to be around kids that was just like him being in foster care because there was nobody in his neighborhood that was from foster care and that he looked forward to coming to the purple project conference every year because it's the only vacation that he really gets for the entire summer. And he wanted to thank my, the purple project for creating a place that he looks forward to coming to every year and that he hoped he could come back every year. Mind you, the, the, the letter had tears on it because I couldn't believe I, first of all, I needed to hear that in that moment. But second of all, I needed, I, you know, it, it, it's changing lives. It's making people feel better. It's helping people grow. And in the letter, he just went on to talk about how he wasn't, he was thinking about not being here. He wanted to commit suicide and he just felt like that in that moment, it saved him. And that was just amazing. After that, I'm crying. And I'm, my husband's like, what's wrong? I give him the letter. And I'm like, I'm never not having this. I don't care if two people show up. We're going to do this. <laughs> yeah, you know? I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. Right? <laughs> you know, I have so, chills. I have yeah, chills as you're telling what that What an story. amazing story. You know, I carry that letter with me. I carry that letter with me. I, it's in my glove compartment right now. Like, mm-hmm. I, anytime I get discouraged, I open that letter. Well, you know the last the last two conferences I have I've attended, um, and I will tell you that is one of the things that I have noticed is you have kids coming from all over the country who you know some of them um, this is the only experience they have dealing with other kids who are in the system, you know, um, and to to be able to look at another person and say you know what I'm feeling. You are going through what I'm going through. You've been moved to 15 homes and you're carrying your stuff in a trash bag and you know, you're, you're looked at as an invisible, you know what I am feeling. I, you know, to me it was, it's it, both times I went, I left there so energized, energized to the fact that, oh my gosh, we've got to do better. We've got to do better. Not do better at the conference because the conference is amazing. But we as a community have to do better to make sure that this conference continues on and continues to grow. Because, again, you know, everybody gives to their own things that they need to give. And we see a lot of times where we have camps for kids who are fighting cancer. And we see camps where, you know, kids are getting together who's lost their parent. Um, But, you know, when it comes to kids who are in the system. Kids who are in this system, and by the way, Latasha, you know as well as I do, I, I never had, nobody ever came to me and said, hey, do you want to play on the baseball team, or do you want to do right. a sport, yeah. or do you want yeah. to do Boy Scouts, or do you want to, these kids do not get that opportunity, and you know, I met a young man last week that um, 
I was I was in absolute awe with this young man. He's he's a kid in the system. He is lives in an area where there isn't any other kids in the system but him. And my husband and I decided that we were going to take him out to dinner with our kids because we felt like he really needed to do this. And I found out as we're sitting there in a restaurant that he had been in foster care now for over a year and had never been out to dinner. Wow. And I said, "What?" And he says, we don't go out to dinner. And I was like, okay, I know not everybody can afford to go out to dinner, but my gosh, are you kidding me? This is like, and, and, and I go back and I think about as me as a kid, when I grew up, you know, I don't ever remember staying in a hotel, you know, until I was in, you know, 18, 19 years old. I mean, these kids don't have this opportunity and to be able to come to your, to, to your conference. And you know, like I said, Dana, I, I'm going to tell you, we, we should think about, um, in 2020 for the conference going and doing a podcast there. That would be amazing. Yes, yes. That would, that would awesome. be great. We, yes. we, should, we should do a podcast there because I'm going to tell you, you will meet some of the most amazing kids Hear some hear some of the most amazing stories. But like I said, every, both both years I I left there just energized and ready to just take it on. Because just like you, my friend, there's so many days that I'm always like, Oh, I'm done. I'm so done. I'm done. Nobody's listening. Nobody's but then, you know, I go and I look at those faces of those kids that you've brought together. Again, I want people to understand, please, 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 if you've never done anything, please go to the Purple Project. Please go go to the purpleproject.com please figure out you know i have people who reach out to me all over the country and they say to me i want to do something i want to do something but i can't foster i want to do something but i'm not in a place to adopt i want to do something you know i don't what can i do let me tell you this is what you can do sponsor a youth to come to this conference okay we none of the kids and again you, you latasha correct me if i'm wrong none of the kids are charged this is all done by sponsors throughout our community for these correct. kids to be able to come they have to have a sponsor and so what we need you know what's the date of next year's conference latasha June, June 11th through 12th. June 11th through 12th. Guys, you have enough time to raise this money. You have enough time to put those coins aside to sponsor a couple of these kids. And how many kids end up coming and what's the cost per kid to get them there? Now, here's the thing. The cost has not changed in nine years. It's $110. $110? Oh, wow. For two days. $110 for two days. And that includes their stay at the hotel? No. So okay. the hotel, so the, our host hotel is 149 a night plus tax. But if you're a nonprofit or if you, you know, then it's a little bit different. But the cost is $110 for the ticket. This is, this, this is, this is the kicker. It's $110. It hasn't changed in nine years. And they get six meals while they're there. Six meals, why they're five, I'm sorry, five meals, why they're there, full meals, full-on meals. They're not just, you know, a, a, a sandwich and chips. It's No, it's actually full meals. Um, they get um, the dance. They get all the swag or, the you know, the gift bags and everything. They get the T-shirts. They get everything. All of that's included. Any educational materials is included in that price, and they get the wonderful training. I mean, it's just a great, wonderful workshops that they get. And we get workshops that are like self-care, writing to heal. We have so many different, you know, just different workshops from, from all over. Just just great, great uh, alumni presenters. And, and it's just, it's wonderful. 
is wonderful. And we have a couple of ally presenters too, so I want to make sure, you know, that that they that they get, you know, a little bit of love too. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I was there, and like I said, I I was absolutely impressed with you know they they're able to sign up for different classes. Dana, you know, I think one of the things that's really important, I talk about this quite often, is that the two things that we make a mistake at in our system is number one, we don't set these kids up for financial success, and number two, we do not. Uh, give them the information for complete wraparound services when it comes to the education level. And I know that that's something that's so, so important for this project. Um, and so, for instance, I know that last year there was a um, there was a class, you know, all about financial success and how to set yourself yeah. up for it. I, I love that. I love that they, you know, and and what I what I really was excited about is when I see these people who are teaching these classes are people that have been there. And and you you talked about this and I want to talk a little bit more about this because this is something I find very very important. You know, as a kid who's in the system, you know, it's really hard for, you know, I I I say it all the time. I'm I'm 52 years old. I'm this gray-haired man and sometimes when I walk into a room, people are like, "What the hell does he know about foster care?" And then once I start to tell my story, um they start to realize, wow, he's been there. And, and same thing with you, Latasha. And the thing that I love is that you actually bring people together that have made, they, they've literally made something, you know, out of this tragic place that we've all been in. And, and I say this all the time, don't blame the system. Let's help change the system. You've yeah. brought people in that are not blaming the system. They're changing the system, which I think is energizing these kids. So, so I'd like to talk about that. I'd like to talk about what made you decide to say, you know what, I'm going to bring people who are like-minded and who have experienced this just like these kids of. You know, I wanted, it was nothing like that for me growing up and I would have made a world of difference. It's been you know, years later, I'll run into someone, you know, at a store and they'll be like, hey, you know, I want to let you know I was in foster care, too. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, we went to high school together. Like, we just didn't know because it was it wasn't talked about. You were kind of embarrassed that you were not with your family, a lot of us. So, you know, it just kind of you didn't know it would have been nice to have some type of support while I was in school or just in general growing up it would have made a world of difference. And I know that because I would have known I wasn't alone. It was like being on an Island by yourself, you know, and stuff where I have foster siblings that came in, into the, you know, into my home later, but if they never came into my home, I would just would not know who was a foster kid and who wasn't. And I felt like that would have made a world of difference just to know, even if it was a, I would say a secret group, <laughs> you know, just something private, just to know that you weren't alone. And that's what, the Purple Project is about knowing that you're not alone. You know, the Purple Project got its name because I was living in a foster home. And that foster mom used to always take me shopping. This is one of my first foster homes. And I, purple was my favorite color. And she, unfortunately, was developing early onset Alzheimer's and forgetting days that I even existed. So I had to be removed from her home. But prior to that, she had taken me school shopping and I kept getting all these purple pants, purple, 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 love purple shirts. And so she came, she came up to me at the counter and said, you know what, let's not get all of this. You can actually get, you know, one pair of purple pants and kind of rotate the shirts out. You don't have to, you know, keep getting all these pairs of purple pants. So that was around that time. The following year I was taken from her and all of my clothes was, of course, thrown into a trash bag. You know, hence comfort cases because we do need you. <laughs> you know, thrown into th thrown into this trash bag 
drug down to, you know, down my hallway into the social worker's car into the next home. And when I get to that home, she puts my clothes into the garage, probably because she, you know, bugged. She thought maybe I, she didn't know. She, so she put them in there. But she was getting a clothing order. So she told me just to go in these bags and pick what I want out, and everything else got to go. And so I pull out the pair of purple pants, and I sit on them. Because she was going through the bag, and I can't keep this, I can't keep this. And I had those pair of purple pants. Once I got up, I had them for many, many years. They literally became capris. Then they became, you know, the shorts. You know, and then eventually I let them go at around 17 is the last time I remember seeing them. But I wore those pants, believe it or not. You know, for the first couple of years, I wore those pants at least four to five days out of the week. Because it was the one item that I had that I had control over. It was mine. No one could take it away from me. And that's how the Purple Project got its name. It's a place that's ours. No one can take it away from us. And we can be together and learn and grow together. You know, positive choices, positive change. And so I think that, I mean, I know that that's, that's, how, it, that's how Purple Project got its name. Wow. It was a place. And I of love course, that. You know, later on, yeah, wow. and later on, we know it was, a, it, was a, I, it was just something that I needed to transition from. It was a reminder of my, my other home and things like that. Like, of course, I get the psychology behind it now, but that's that's where the name comes from. And I think it's important for us to have that, have a place or have someone that we can go to. This year, we had, this year all of the alumni had on sashes. I, I ordered sashes for all of the alumni, and it had the year on it, and it had alumni. And what the whole purpose of the sashes were, not because we were in a beauty contest, but... <laughs> because you all because, are beautiful, by the way. <laughs> thank you. But because... I wanted youth, if you saw anybody with these sashes, didn't matter how old they were, you could go up to them and you could ask them any question that you wanted to ask them about foster care and they were ready to answer. And so this was our first year doing that and we loved it because, and they loved it. So we're going to do it every year because kids were coming up feeling very open and, and, and relaxed to ask questions to alumni. And so we did it for like a 10 year anniversary thing and it went off so well. So now we're doing it from now on. And I just love to that. see the kids sitting yeah and to see them sitting and having this great conversation with these alumni and I'm just walking past smiling like oh look at this look at the baby because you know <laughs> you know like oh sitting and talking and just enjoying this conversation with this alumni and I could you know hear as I'm walking past some of the conversations so what did you do when you aged out like that's the kind of stuff that makes a difference in a kid's life that's coming from care Right. Well, being able to talk to somebody and find out how they made it, how they got out of those difficult situations that, you know, kids are put in when they age out of the system to talk to other adults who have figured it out and to kind of have a like a mentor thing to me. Right. Yes, yes, yes. And then, you know, I, I even heard other questions like, OK, how did you get your nails? Back? How did you how do you paint your nails? I, you know, they're green. How did you get them that color green? You know, it was simple things that you really wouldn't think. But just being able to walk up and ask questions, you know. You know, I can't comb my hair right. How does? How did you get it parted and get it in this bun? You know, I'm hearing things that are just so beyond what I imagined that would help other kids. You know, just not even just the, you know, what is it when you age out, but just simple questions about self-care and, and everything. So it was great. No, I, I have to agree with you. It, it is it is an amazing, magical two days. You know, Latasha, you know, a couple of things that I would love to, to continue to touch base with. But, um, you know, we I say this all the time. We all have a story. And um, I truly believe that our story can truly change each and every one of us. Um, 
Yes, so, absolutely. And I didn't know if you wanted me to tell mine. I do. So I, <laughs> I do. I want to hear your story. I want to hear, you know, your story from your words. I think it's something that is powerful. I think as people who listen to this podcast um, can understand, you know, one of the things that Dana and I have always wanted to do from the moment we started this is to educate our public about foster care. And I believe educating our public about foster care is telling the story and so many times we don't realize how it is we think that the government is taking care of these kids we think that these kids are going in all these beautiful foster homes because they want to be parents and that's not the way it always is so you know what no. i'd like to spend the next couple of minutes and listen to you tell your story well yeah absolutely i was born um to teenage parents and you know i was born to teenage parents and unfortunately you know, one of my family members did not know how to take care of me properly. And I was abused. Um, I was abused and, and they weren't, you know, the best in the best, you know, mental health space themselves. So I am um, blind. I've been, well, I've been 18 years in foster care and was labeled unadoptable by age three. I'm blind in my left eye because there was a blunt object stuff stuck through my eye. I um, burned over 35% of my body because I was sat in a hot tub of falling water and experienced second, third degree burns. I am, I would have reconstructive surgery done on my mouth because I was thrown down a flight of stairs, knocking out my original baby teeth. I experienced a multitude of different types of abuse from hitting to yelling to, you know, to just, you know, pushing and, you know, just you name it. And all of this happened before the age of three. So by the time I came in foster care at six months old, back then they kept giving parenting classes and, you know, follow the plan, the steps to get you back. And all of this kept happening. And every time they would return me, every time I would be abused. So this went on until finally they took permanent custody of me. And I went into a foster home and the first foster home that I was in I did not even realize I was a foster kid, and I remained in that home. So they say I lived in four homes, but I only can remember, you know, the last two. And I remained in that home until about nine, and that foster mom never treated me any different. And I asked my, my siblings, I say, I, you know, my father foster siblings, but we don't say that. We say siblings. And I asked them, I say, later on, I said, how did I not know I was in foster care? I didn't know I was in foster care until, like, I was nine or ten. Their response was, why would you? You are a sister. That's all we knew. None of that other stuff matter. You are a part of our family now. So I, was, I wasn't treated any different than anybody else that was in our family. So I didn't know foster care was never mentioned to me. I knew people were picking me up, but I was so young. You know, your parents tell you to go with such and such, you're going to go, you know, <laughs> you're going to go. So I knew people were picking me up, but I thought they were friends of the family, but they actually were case managers. So eventually my foster mom who was, you know, taking care of me, who gave me the foundation of being nice and kind, and that's all she really instilled in my head, gave me a spiritual foundation. She ended up developing early onset Alzheimer's and was forgetting that I even existed on some days. She was forgetting to send me to school. I missed the whole entire year of school. She packed up and moved away. And, uh, you know, they, they couldn't find out where she was for a little while because she had stopped cashing these stipends. Just all kind of stuff. And my older siblings had moved away and had started their own lives. You know, one had gotten married and one had moved, you know, came and they would come, you know, once a week. But they didn't really realize she had Alzheimer's until it was kind of like too late for me. 
And so I ended up going to school one day because she didn't enroll me there. I went up going to school one day and they reported abuse and neglect. And so County rushed in and here's this, this kid that they were trying to keep tabs on. And uh, they ended up telling, asking me, hey, do you want to go to Disneyland? Do you want to go to the movies? Do you want to go to all these places? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting in the office. I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, what kid? I'm nine years old. Like, yeah, of course I want to go to Disneyland. Well, you have to go live with another family in order to do that. And so I was like, okay, but I get a chance to see my, my mom, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I agreed to go with no problem to live with this other family, not knowing that I was never going to see that family again, you know, not really realizing because they, they didn't tell me, they tricked me pretty much, <laughs> you know, into thinking that this was okay. And so I go with this other family and immediately I know that I'm a foster kid. I know I, I, I had to find out what social worker and case manager meant. Like I didn't know any of these terms that are being, you know, it, I, it was culturally different. It was, I learned very quickly how to behave as a foster kid. And I always, always throw up the, the quotation marks, you know, be quiet, don't say nothing, sit down, don't go in the refrigerator, don't touch anything. That's how it was just culturally different, you know. And so I had to adjust and adapt at nine years old in this home that just wasn't a right fit for me. And so as I'm in this home, um, you know, I adjust, I start to adjust, but I was longing for my foster mom, you know, my original mom, foster mom longing for her and no one was kind of helping me. So I didn't get, you know, counseling right away. Eventually I got into counseling later on and, you know, and as I'm in this home, she starts to date and she starts to date different men and she ends up getting married and she married a pedophile who ended up, you know, molesting all of the kids in the home. And so we had to, you know, we told her like, Hey, you know, this is, this happened to us and she didn't believe us. And when, but she had to report it and she made us go back and say it never happened. And I was labeled an habitual liar because of it. Like I have this crazy story and, you know, she kind of picked us off one by one. She kind of said, Hey, you know, if you don't tell that this happened to you, I'll protect you. And he won't, he won't mess with you guys anymore. And she would always come to me and she would say, you're the leader. You're the leader of the pack. You need to, you need to, you need to make everyone else kind of fall in line or you guys are going to end up in a group home. And I was so fearful because I'd never lived in a group home and everyone else that came in the house did. So I ended up, you know, being labeled an habitual liar. Eventually after that, the relationship changed. I didn't have a father figure. I didn't have a mother figure. I was on my own. I didn't even know my family, my biological family. So I started having just, I, I didn't know I didn't belong to anyone. You know, I, so I felt like, I was like, I don't belong to anyone. I'm, I'm, I just, I don't know what to do with my life at that point. So by this time we're we're now in a, I'm now in high school, and I kind of started gray started slipping. You know things were just really falling apart for me, and I barely got out of high school. And once I got out of high school, I was plummeted, of course, now at 18, into into homelessness, you know, poverty. I became a single mother. I was diagnosed with OCD, PTSD. ADHD, reoccurring depression, which were all true diagnoses, but I hadn't—I wasn't diagnosed beforehand. And six months after my kid was born, I was diagnosed with cancer. So all this happened by the age of 23 years old. And it was crazy. So I had to deal with all of this to become, to become, you know, 
whole again. And so while I'm battling camp, now all this is still going on. I'm all, I'm starting to get help for everything that's going on in my life. And I ended up having to, um, I ended up having to, I'm so sorry, I have cats, and they're scratching on my door, so I'm so sorry. (laughs) And they're fussing, they're fussing at me because I'm in my office with the door shut, and I never have it shut. So, so all of this is going on, and I have, you know, I have battling cancer, and now I'm learning that I could die. That's the one thing, I'm learning that I could die. And as this is, 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 transforming into what it is I'm not really understanding at 23 I'm still thinking I'm invincible even though I went through all of this I'm still thinking that I am completely invincible so I didn't right away get everything I needed I needed before learning that I had cancer so what started off as a little bit of not little bitty nodule grew and took over an entire tumor and it had to be removed from my from my thyroid and once they went in to remove it, they paralyzed both vocal cords. So I had to take 13 weeks. They didn't think my voice would come back to learn how to speak, swallow, breathe, because I had to sleep sitting up. I had a hard time swallowing water or even forming the letter E. And once I realized that I needed to start and learn how to do that over, I could do anything. I could reset my life from where it is right now, and if I never speak again, at least I know I can start over from where I am, and that's what I did, and I did. It took me 13 weeks to to form the letter E, and believe it or not, only one cord still works. They didn't think it would come back. I only have one vocal cord that works, so I'm blessed to even be speaking with you guys right now. My but gosh! Once I learned, wow, yeah. we so are the ones that are blessed to have you and to to hear this story. That this, you know. You know, I want people to listen to this and realize that, you know, life is about resilience and life is, you know, so many times there's obstacles that are put in front of us and you had every opportunity to give up, every opportunity to give up, every opportunity to do the blame game, every opportunity to say, why me, every opportunity to be the statistics that we hear about every single day, but instead you didn't. Instead, you knew that you were going to give you the best that you could give you. And to, to, you know, Latasha, I am absolutely, absolutely grateful that I get to call you my friend, that I get to say that you are someone that, that I, you inspire me. You inspire me to be a better human. You inspire me to be a better person. And you inspire me to make sure that people like you and I have a voice. And by the way, you almost didn't have one. And, and what, what I love is that I want you to continue that voice. I want you to continue that voice. You know, if you're listening in on this podcast, I, I've got goosebumps, Dana. That, oh, absolutely. Know. I'm speechless. Yeah. I mean, what is there to say other than it's just incredible, the resiliency and, and everything you've been through and to be able to tell your story and use your experience to help so many yeah. other kids is amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know what? I, I want to say something, too, for the listeners out there and, if, you know, any kids that are listening. You know, success is what you make it. I think that when you look at success differently, you create you create a better you. And what I mean by that is, you know, some people look at success as, you know, money, house, cars, jewelry, whatever. You know, 
if you change the, the way that you look at success, success for me is that I'm sitting here talking on a podcast. Success for me is I open my refrigerator. Hey, I got milk in there today. If you change the way you look at success, all the things that you want will come. All the things that you want will come, but you have to change the way you look at it. Yes. So, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I truly believe that, and you have to believe that you can. The other thing is, it doesn't matter how old you are. That is the biggest misconception about finding success. You know, there's people graduating with degrees in their 80s. It does not matter how old you are. You always can reach your goals. Stop listening to people telling you that you can't because you can. You can. Doesn't matter how old, doesn't how long it, how long it takes you to get there. As long as you get there and in your pace and in your time. So yep. that's, that's the biggest biggest thing i want to believe <laughs> the, uh, absolutely right. let me tell you i could talk to you all day you absolutely positively like i said you inspire me you know as we end this podcast dana and i dana we always like to ask a couple of questions that yes. we ask to all of our <laughs> yeah. guests yep and so first of all i just want to remind everybody you know we all can make a difference within our community we all can help make change and one of the things that i need each and every one of you to do as you listen to this podcast please please Go to thepurpleproject.com. Go to thepurpleproject.com. Figure out how you can set that money aside to sponsor that child in your community. Again, as I say it all the time, your community is not your zip code. It's our human race. We have got to make sure that these kids know they matter. And to know they matter, they need to be with other like-minded kids. They need to be able to have that energy boost that you get from this conference. I've been there two years now. And again, we will be sponsoring again, comfort cases. And not only that, the sheer family, because we truly believe in the work that's being done at this conference. And we believe that we have an opportunity to make change. So Latasha, as I turn it over to Dana for these important questions, I just want to say to you, I love you. And I oh, am absolutely- Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to death for you and I to get together again soon. And by the way, yes. you know, we're going to make sure that Latasha is going to be a part of our end of the year roundtable that we're bringing um, like-minded people together who truly want change within our foster care system. And I can tell you, I have seen it firsthand with Latasha that she is wanting change and we're going to make sure change happens. So Latasha, I love you. Dana, I'm excited to hear her answers yes, to your questions. Me too. So Thank we all, so much. we always <laughs> ask um, at the end of each podcast, if you could change two things about the foster care system right now, what would they be? Ooh, just two? I know, right? Okay. Well, we, well <laughs> we were thinking one, and we give you two because we know there's a lot. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the one thing I would change about the foster care system is, oh, gosh, aging out and how kids are still aging out of the foster care system. I would change that because there's so many programs out here, but there's, you know, proof. Where are these success stories and kids that are going in these programs and coming out? Because if you raise the age to 21 and you don't make change in between, it doesn't matter because they'll just, they're just inevitably waiting to age out with the same issues, except now they're 21. So I would change the dynamics of how that system is designed and work with the foster youth. 
Um, focus, uh, focus more on the kids. Number two, focus more on the kids and making sure that we have great foster parents out here. There are some, there are some wonderful foster parents. Oh my goodness. But making sure that they are the right fit for that kid. Listen to your kid. They have to live there. You have to visit there. And this makes a big difference. You know, so I would change the way the system is, is designed and, 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 and make sure that your kid has a voice in all and everything in all of their cases. Make sure, always say, make sure they have a seat at the table because it's their life ultimately in the end. Absolutely. Wow. I love that. I yep. love that. I say that quite often here. Here at Comfort Cases, every single person has a seat at our table. Well, Latasha, we love you so much. I cannot wait for us to catch up again. Thank, Thank you, you. So much. Please, everyone, I'm asking you, please go to thepurpleproject.com. See how you can actually truly help with the conference for 2020. We need as many sponsors as we can. We want to fill this room with as many yes. kids that we can throughout the, the country. We want to make sure that we're giving the best to all of these children. And, you know, no matter what, how small the donation is or the large the donation is, your donation can make a difference. So please, 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 please visit thepurpleproject.com. And Latasha, have an amazing day. We love you so much and we'll talk soon. Take you care. Too. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank bye you, bye. Latasha. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dana and I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. And check out the Fostering Change blog at ComfortCases.org. So everybody, we want to hear your stories. So reach out to us if you would like to be a guest on the podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Rob Shear, Instagram at Rob underscore Shear, and on Twitter at Rob Shear 6. And please share this podcast and leave us a review. Remember, we're all part of the same community. Your zip code, it's not your community, but it's our human race. Let's all make a difference.